Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. I'm really, really excited about this morning. I don't know why. I've got a naughty sensation feeling God wants to do something good with us. Is that good? I'll try to behave myself. It was a... We had an interesting morning at home. We have a seven-year-old and five-year-old, many of you know that, and this morning was a truth and reconciliation session. Uh, I, I was trying to prepare, and there was chaos, and I could hear cans. Was, it wasn't going well. So I got my five-year-old and my seven-year-old and said, come in one room. You're going to sit for half an hour, and you're going to talk. And they're looking at me. And, 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 I, and they needed to work some stuff out, because the one bullies the other, and there's kind of this thing that goes on. And, and so I told them what goes on. I said, you're going to sit and you're going to talk it out. And about 10 minutes later, I just heard these, these little conversations happening. I could hear from around the corner. And, there, and the one little guy says, but you're always horrible to me. And he says, I don't mean to be. <laughs> and so they, they had a brother moment this morning. And um, I think sometimes that's a good thing. Right up front, I, I want to just say it's an incredible privilege. Thank you to all the, those that served. There were just amazing amounts of volunteers on Friday night, and I know the ladies were spoiled. So I just want to say that. I want to let you know that we're a church on mission. We're advancing. We're, God is privileged to partner with other churches, other communities, um, other areas. We have Edwin, who a couple of you met for the first time a few weeks ago. He's preaching at Heartbeat Church, which was planted from Life Changes. So that's where he is this morning. Wally and Shirls are ministering at Every Nation Church up in Pretoria and working really, really hard. They have a culture of meetings, so he has had meetings lined up for two weeks. And he goes to 3CR Church tomorrow to be with 3CR for about two and a half weeks. Um, and, and then we have a team that consists of Louise and Jacques, Sam and Johnny, Julian and Mel, Michael and Haley, and Andrew and Tandy at El, I don't know how to say the name, I think it's El Jada Mission. Is that right? It's, it's a, a ladies' rehab center. And um, they're preaching and ministering there this morning. So just to let you know that uh, we're on about His kingdom. We're not on about this meeting or our meetings. We're on about the kingdom of God and what He wants to see in life to come. So pray for those guys. Keep them in your hearts and minds. But we're on a new series. Uh, If you were here last week, you would have heard our fiery redhead, Gabe Phillips, preaching about God is. And it put such courage into me. It put us into such space to go on a journey of discovery of our amazing King, And he used this quote, A.W. Tozer, we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. And I think everyone, especially Christians, we have these thoughts about God that dictate and determine and shape not just our ideas about God, but how we live. How we live and how we do that stuff. And, And unfortunately, in the church, as I encounter people and I engage and we ask questions, that too much of people's perspectives of God are determined by circumstance, situation, history, or culture, rather than the powerful, revealing Word of God. And so this series is a series and a moment to put big stakes into the ground, to say, this is who God is. Because when we know who God is, we can begin to know who we are. I find myself in Him. I find my rest in Him. I find my life in Him. I find my energy in Him. And that's not just for preachers. That's for every person He has called, every person He has saved, every person He has redeemed and pressed the love into. 
And then when we find out who He is, we find out how we can walk that out, how we can live this life on earth rather than through circumstances and situations. So it's not, my story isn't, so it can't be when I get, find Jesus at 25 and I'm 60, I'm still saying I'm an angry, grumpy man because I'm an angry, grumpy father. I'm saying, no, you didn't have an angry, grumpy father. You have a loving father who kept pursuing you and keeps pursuing you. And something's got to change. And the only thing that changes that shift is the truth of the word of God. When people have been abused as children, I'm not saying it didn't happen. It very much did happen. There's brokenness and chains that come. But I want to tell you about the truth of the Word of God that shatters chains and releases sons and daughters to a kingdom story and changes our identity. The Bible says the old man is dead. Who you were before you got to receive the love and the grace of Jesus, that guy is dead. And the new man is alive. And the new man is fueled. The new man has a grid for life. It's called the Word of God. And God is, God is is a series that unapologetically we want to put big stapes into the ground about who God is. Is that all right? And you see, we sing a song, we believe in God our Father, we believe in Christ the Son. And the challenge is, we are believers and what we believe is very important. It's very, very important. Very important. And it determines directions. Gabe made these three statements about God is last week. He said, God is marked by sufficiency. God is marked by consistency. I don't know why I'm on three. I'm only on two. (laughs) Stop it. Just wait. Sorry. And God is marked by intimacy. God is marked by sufficiency, consistency, and intimacy. I hear those words, and I feel like I can breathe a breath bigger than my lungs have the ability to. I don't know about you, but when my God is sufficient, I will never be without Because He is my source. When my God is consistent, I don't have to worry because I had a father who said yes one day but never did it and was inconsistent in his journey. I look to the Father and I know that He is consistent and I breathe because I can live life and know that He is consistently there. And God is marked by intimacy. He wants relationship with us. These truths get into my soul and they don't just pep me up on a Sunday. They give me energy. They give me courage to live a life for Him. I trust that this series will do the same for you. See, what happens is, unfortunately, sometimes the gospel is sold at too low a, a level, and it's kind of, well, if you just know some things about God, but, but what you must know is what you mustn't do. You mustn't drink. You mustn't dance to rock and roll, whatever you heard in your life from the church. You mustn't do this. You mustn't do it. And we think if we just know all the mustn'ts, and the white knuckle Christianity, we're just going to keep pursuing with white knuckles. We're going to pursue God. You cannot do it. No one can. And that's not the Christian life. The Christian life is to have the breath of God breathe into us. And we go, oh, God, God. So I want to speak about something this morning. Let me make another statement. There is a terribly wrong assumption that if someone's been going to church for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, that they know the gospel. Honestly. I've sat with people after they've been in church for 25 years and, and they have no concept of simple basic truths. And it's because as a church, as leaders in the church, we've stopped calling people to engage the word of God, to take the seriousness of the word of God. When my parents got saved, they literally got saved the following month. They were enrolled in a three-year Bible school. They had four kids. 
I'm so grateful that they did three years of Bible school. I didn't lose my parents. I gained parents who knew God. Live faith stories and live them in the Word of God. And I promise you, He's calling us to lives. And we throw out these statements, well, I'm not theological. Maybe you've said it. I'm just, I'm not theological. Theology is just the study of the nature of God. It's nothing super fancy. You don't need fancy words. You don't need to read dead guys who've been dead for 500 years, although some of them are really good. All of us are theologians because all of us are called to keep our eyes fixed on God. I've had many fathers in my life. My natural father and one of them was a guy named Rory Dyer. And I knew there was something he was teaching me and I used to keep my eyes on him. I used to study him. That might sound weird to you. I didn't know I'd be a pastor, but he'd ask everyone to close their eyes so he could minister. I wouldn't close my eyes. I'd keep them on him and learn. Because I wanted to understand why was he generous? Why did he treat his wife that way? How much more the Father in heaven? How much more do we need to keep our eyes on him? And it's not a guessing game. He's revealed himself in his word. I want to take away the excuse, I'm not a theologian. You are. You are. And you're called to feed yourself in the word of God. We, we don't just owe it to our souls. We owe it to the world. We owe it to the mission God has called us to. Because our story is a weird and wacky story. Yeah, so what do you believe? Well, I believe that God came. There's like an angel, and there was this girl in the stable. And she, it was like, yeah, there was a virgin, and the virgin got pregnant, but she was still a virgin. And then God, but God came, God was a man. God was a man, but God's still God. And then God also came in like the spirit guy. And I'm not sure anyone's going to buy that. Don't know what you're saying when you're telling that story. But we've got to know who God is. We've got to know how he reveals himself so that the world can see him. Because our story is pretty weird. And sometimes, and most of the time, if we're not looking at it going, it's just too good to be true. Well, yes, that's called the grace of God. Let me tell you about the grace of God. And so this morning, I want to speak about something that isn't spoken about a lot. And our forefathers were so enamored by this issue of the Trinity. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. Our forefathers were so enamored with this truth. They would preach about it. They would speak about it. They were amazed about it. Augustine spent 19 years of his life doing this one study on the Trinity. We're still using that theology and that study 1,500 years later. But they had this revelation that not only is the Trinity good for us, that it, that it really reveals it is theology driving. You want to have a theology? Start in the Trinity. It is awe-inspiring, God is amazing, and is life-giving truth. Right in the Trinity. See, we quickly default to Paul's scriptures because he puts it in one line and it seems so simple and we boom. But the forefathers knew and the challenge is the Trinity, there is some complexity. We could spend years studying it and still not have answers, but it doesn't mean we aren't called to know, to engage, to be pursuing And so what happens is just too hard to package and and maybe there'll be unbelievers in the church and they don't like the name the Holy Ghost. So we just throw the Holy Spirit out the picture. And I'm telling you, we are called to stand in awe of God, the three in one. 
Can I read from Ephesians 1, please? If you can turn there, we are going to put it on the screen. It is possibly my favorite scripture in the Bible. It's up there. And we've read it many times in this church, and I want to read it again. But I want us to look for the Trinity in this. See, the chapter, verse, chapter 1, verse 3 to 14, is, it's written in sentences for our benefit, but actually it's one thought. It's like one sentence, one idea that Paul writes down. He says, and look for the Trinity. Can I ask you to look for the Father, look for the Son, and look for the Holy Spirit? Praise be to God the Father, to, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him, we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who speaks, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. The triune God is reclaiming all things, redeeming all things, including me and you. And the gospel and our lives have to take a Trinitarian shape, Father, Son, and Spirit. And I'm going to expound what that means but in this story, in this picture, in this Ephesians thing, we see our whole salvation is Trinitarian. So when I say Trinitarian, I'm talking about the nature of the Trinity. Landed into life for us. The doctrine of the Trinity was given to us by our Father, so we'd have a concept of all these big ideas, because man struggles with it. And the Father predestined us to salvation before the foundations of the earth. God the Son enters into history, pays the price I couldn't pay, so that I could receive that salvation. And the Holy Spirit comes, marks us and seals us, and then breathes life into us for that story. Three in one, for you and I. It's beautiful. And there are three things that are imperative. So it's a little bit teaching today. Is that all right? So it's, it's not a million stories. We have to have these truths. Otherwise, we are easily blown over. The first thing is this, that God is three persons. I'm going to explain it a little bit later as well. But God is three. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three individuals. Most people don't struggle with the concept of Father. Actually, hardly any religions would disagree that God the Father is fine. They are, so those who are open to many religions are open to God the Father. They understand the highest authority. That's not a challenge. But then His Son, also God, in submission to His will, 
would leave that position to come? An individual. And then God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures. No. God the Holy Spirit. A person. Why do I say he's a person? Because it's a who, not a what. God. The concept of God, the idea of God, that you can talk about God the, the what, but the, the who is three people. God the Father, loving, gracious, compassionate judge. God the Son, Savior, ruler, redeemer. Name above all names, but in submission to the Father. That's too confusing, God. I know, but it's God. And then God the Holy Spirit. How do I know the Holy Spirit is a person will can be grieved? Bible speaks about that the Holy Spirit can be grieved, has, has these processes where we, you can't grieve a, 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 a force. You can't grieve the wind. Oh, the Holy Spirit's like the wind. Well, He is like the wind, but you can't grieve the wind. You grieve a person. So central to our belief, and I believe, that song, central to the truths written in the creeds of years and thousands of years, 1,500 years ago, Central to that idea is this thing. God is three persons. If you don't believe that, you might sing all the songs, you might do all the things. I'm telling you, it's not the Christian gospel. It's something else. There is a concept of Christianity and it sits into something called modalism where we can take three and God's like, oh, and people use the expression, oh, God's three in one. Yo, yo, like, like water, ice, and, and, and snow. Three in three different shapes. So the Father came, and then He came as the form of the Son, and then now He's in us in the Spirit. That's not the gospel of the Bible. That is a version that's out there. It's not right. Just telling you. It's something else that leads somewhere else. The second truth is that each person is fully God. The Holy Spirit is not the apprentice. Jesus is not the, the heir to the throne one day when, and then He will be God. God is not the one looking for an exit strategy. They are all fully God. Fully, equally powerful. Equally in control. Of equal value and power. And the last one is this truth. Three who's, one God. We worship one God. We are not... We don't have many, many gods. Well, you can chat other religions. Well, I've got thousands of gods. Well, actually, I have to tell you the truth. They might have power. They might do miracles. They are demons. There is one God. Three people. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Outside of that, there might be power. There might be healing. There might be miracles. It's not God of the Bible. It's just, I just feel like we've got to put some big stakes in the ground. Otherwise, we are open to everything. We aren't those who are open to everything. We are believers in Jesus Christ who came because His Father said, It's my will. And we live by the power of the Spirit. And when we live in those truths, we are equipped to live victorious lives. And we aren't shaken in the air by every concept. Or oh, is Jesus this? One picture just to help you, if you didn't get it. God at the center but the Son is not the Holy Spirit. It was a scan, so I apologize for the quality. But the Son is not the Father. They are three individual persons, but there is one God, one essence. Is this just good for us to know? Mark, it's, it's just 
just really good for us to know so that when people ask, we can know. I would present to you that this is everything for us to know so we can live lives determined by who God is. The Trinity is an incredibly practical presentation of who God is and what it means to live a Trinitarian life. Boom, I said it. Oh, Mark, that's like a big word. No, you are called and I am called to live a Trinitarian life. And I'm going to try to explain in the minutes I have to what that means. Augustine said this, you stir man to take pleasure in praising you because you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless, restless until it finds you. I don't have rest until I find him. That means I've got to go looking in the right place. I've got to go to the truth. Years ago, I met two theology PhDs from Oxford at a bri. We didn't leave on the same page. Because although they were PhD Oxford theology students, they didn't believe in truth. And we spent the night arguing about, is there truth? Well, yes, there is truth. Truth, your truth and my truth. This truth and that truth. That's not truth. I believe in the power of the Word of God. It brings freedom and life. I want to tell you, where do we start and how do we understand what Trinity and life is in doing theology? If you're taking notes, here's a good place to start. It's called the law of first mention. So guys say the Bible, how do we read the Bible, Mark? Well, we just pick foof and some people start out in, in the most hectic scriptures about people killing each other and it's like, ah, ah, it's too much. I'm just going to go listen to someone. Bible says started that the best way to do your hermeneutics, your study of the word, is the law of first mention. Where is that concept first mentioned? Well, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, are right at the beginning in Genesis 1. So we go there and we process everything else through the picture that God presents of the Trinity in Genesis 1. Everything else. doesn't matter what Paul writes. You understand the Trinity? You understand God? Don't start with Paul. Start with first mention. That's a biblical discipline that has been held to for over 1,800 years by our church forefathers, and it still stands. I'm trying to equip you. Is that all right? I feel a little bit like a teacher. My teachers didn't always enjoy me, so I'm trying to feel a little bit guilty up here. It's all good. The first mention and fundamentals is in Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God. Let me tell you, that word is Elohim. It's plural. Not singular. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female, He created them. You are, you are an image bearer. You're an image bearer. And so what does that mean? Well, our journey is growing in the image of who we are made. That's my journey. Our journey is not to fill up seats in church. Our journey is not to, 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 to do our time. Oh, I've done my time, God. I'm going to get to heaven and say, God, I did my time. I mean, I really didn't like that pastor. But yes, I did my time. Our job is to become like Christ. Part of my, my mandate, my, my brief as in my job, is to prepare you in Christ-likeness, not to make you good little church minions. Honestly. And yet we settle for minions. And we think, that's fine, that's not fine. My job as an individual, before it's a pastor, before it's a husband, before it's a father, before it's anything, is I just want to be like you. 
And it has these unbelievably practical implications. And God speaks. And then we get Matthew 3. It's this incredible moment where the Father speaks from heaven. He speaks over His Son. This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit comes like a dove. And you see the Trinity operating. Old Testament, New Testament, throughout the world. I don't have time to argue today that God is Father, God is Son, God is Spirit. We're going to get there. I'm just presenting that to you as the truth. But there are some dynamics that we have to understand because they have implications in our life. And one of them is this. That God is all equal, Father, Son, and Spirit. Ontologically, it's a big word for the essence. The, 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 one of the ways of putting it is the imminent trinity. Who they are, in who they are, in power, in might, in essence, they are perfectly equal. But for the mission and in history... There's a concept of economic trinity. Economically, on this earth, as it plays out, they take different roles so that the mission can advance, that the story can advance. And we have to be okay with that. Well, how can God be equal? How, how can, but the Bible says Jesus is the name above every name. Well, it does, because in who He is, He's perfectly the name above every name, and yet He chose to submit Himself to the Father's will. Ah. Oh, Maybe that's where submission comes from. Maybe that's why we've got to submit to our government leaders. Maybe that's why my children need to submit to me. Am I perfect? No. But I'm trying to live a Trinitarian life, and their journey is to also try to live a Trinitarian life that reflects Him. And so we live with this understanding of the Father predestines, the Son comes and salvation comes and life by the Spirit. We don't get to choose like the Fantastic Four. Well, I'm going to choose my favorite character. I'm going to stick with him. I'm all in going to back the Holy Spirit. All I ever mention is the Spirit. All I ever talk about, all I ever study is the Spirit. You, you are missing God. You're missing God. We don't get to choose. Uh, I'm, I'm Thing. You, I don't know if you remember the character my favorite in the Fantastic Four is Thing. It's like rock guy. His name is just Thing. It'd be an interesting name for a child. And, um, <laughs> but the Trinity is not an optional extra to our belief system, and we've stopped speaking about it, and we've stopped standing in awe of it because it's complex. We've got to do some work. Church, train yourself in godliness. I watch people training and throwing weights around and eating supplements and training their body. And yet when it comes to what I believe for eternity one day, we've got to do the work. So I want to tell you and make a few statements. It wasn't Augustine, uh, it was, sorry, Augustine of Hippo. spent 19 years. So I want to make nine statements about Trinitarian life, about the Trinity and its implications for us. Is that all right? Because I think we, there's like, it's nice to know about the Trinity, but how does it impact me? I want to give you a couple of points about the Trinity and how it impacts us. The first one, it's not hard, it's Trinitarian, which by essence means we're included. And there's this unbelievable picture that the theologians use called perichoresis. It's a picture of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in this Trinitarian dance. Where do you think choreograph comes from? It's the dance of God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But here's the beauty of the picture. There's a space for us at the table. And God says, I want you involved. And we get pulled into Trinitarian life. He says, I want you to rule and reign, but I'm going to put my spirit in you to rule and reign. We're included in the beauty and the wonder of the Trinity. Wow! Wow, God! Honestly, wow! 
I get pulled into a God story. Who am I? In my deep, darkest moments, I know who I am. And I'm going, God, how could you want me in that perfect story? He says, I'm going to pull you into a story with us. You're invited. You're included. It's a dance. Here's the implication for us. How do you do Trinitarian life? Well, you cannot go it alone. You can't go it alone. We are included and invited into the Trinity story, and the language of that dance calls us, says, will you dance? You can't, it's awkward dancing by yourself. Have you seen that guy at a wedding? He's doing the sookie by himself around the dance floor. <laughs> no one wants to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy. God says, number one, in the essence and nature of who I am, I'm pulling you in. Will you partake? See, we love the idea that we'll get to heaven one day and Jesus paid it, that's my job done. And he said, no, no, no. You're going to be a kingdom advancing. You're going to be a, an ambassador on this earth. You've got a story to play out. I don't give you the opt-out option. There isn't one. There's no neutral gear in the story. Is that all right? I know that's a big concept. A few more and it'll start making sense. The second one is Trinitarian life is loving. Oh, Mark, these are difficult, I know. 1 John 4 verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. The word God, theos, speaking of the Godhead, the Trinity. God is love. The Trinity is love. At the essence of who the Trinity are is perfect, perfect love. They're not working it out. They're not wrestling it out. They, they didn't need to create us. There's this idea where God was bored. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're overplaying Monopoly together. So they, just, they came up with man so they could have a few problems to deal with, keep themselves busy. It's not true. They were perfect in love. Unless we know who love is, we'll never be able to walk out perfect love. And I sit with couples and, and, and couples come to me and say, will you marry us? And, and we're not saved. We're just telling you we're not saved. So, okay, that's cool. So, but you've got to give me three evenings. So what, what do you mean? Oh, um, that's fine. Oh, you want to talk about marriage? I said, no, I don't want to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about God. I'll marry you. Because I believe when two unbelievers get married, it doesn't matter. There's still something that they're honoring God by choosing His design. But my job is to tell you about the designer. And you're going to give me three evenings. Yes. I'm going to make it a little difficult for you. Three evenings. And all I'm going to do, I'm not talking about rugby, not talking about any, I'm talking about God. Because if I can introduce you to Him, you'll have a great marriage. Does that make sense? And there's some implications for us. Do you love? And by I mean biblical sacrifice, sacrificial self-denying love where someone else is the beneficiary. Do an honest assessment now and say, where in my life? You see, we are the beneficiary in perichoresis, in the Trinity. We're the beneficiary. We get pulled in. We're not needed, and yet we're included. Where in your life is there someone who they might never benefit you, but you're giving something away. Because that's love. Love is not this, I take what I get and I leave when I, the doors open and things get tough. Is your heart open to be loved by God and by others? And why? why? Why do you need to be loving? Well, I had an angry father, an angry child. Yes, you did. But you have a new father. You're a new man. And your new father is love. Which means rise up, son. 
Understand your identity. Understand who you are. You are not that. You are this. There's no more excuses. The price has been paid. I want to move a little faster. The third point is, and it might sound like the first one, but the Trinity is by nature communal because God is relational. I'm just, and I'm going to challenge those who sneak out and, and aren't prepared to do life together. I'm going to challenge you this morning. Not be our preferences or our way of doing church. By who God is. God is relational. In the very essence of who He is, He's relational. And community is a Trinitarian life imperative, not an optional extra. It's not an optional extra. We aren't called and we cannot outwork this Trinitarian life and freedom in a glass box. I'm just going to do my theology in a glass box. Honestly, I rarely, R-A-R-E-L-Y, I rarely read books by theologians who aren't either leading or in local churches. And you would be amazed of how many there are. Sitting in their house in the woods in middle America somewhere, writing in theory about how to do life. I won't read that. Just telling you. Pretty compelling stuff. But show me the man who will get his life and story dirty with others. Show me that man who will overcome barriers, will overcome situations, who, like Jerry, will step into a community that when he came, he was mostly white. And say, I want to lead in that community. I've got something to give. Give me that man. And I promise you, they will see the kingdom of God advanced. So I need to take away the rug of safety and comfort that says, I'm not going to share my life with him because I might get hurt. Here's the promise. You probably will. But I promise you'll get the glory of God. When you run back to me, you find healing in them and you don't need to go to the person and say, you hurt me. Just being honest. It's a high standard. It's not an optional extra. Are you in community? Linked. If, you, if you're part of this church and you love coming and you're saying, actually, there's something of life in here for you, then awesome. But can I ask you to get linked in? Because when you see an army advance, they link arms. That's where the name came from. They link arms and they move forward. Because sometimes we take arrows and we need people to hold us. And the arrows look like cancer and they look like, like miscarriages and they look like businesses that fail. And they look sometimes like just kids that are tough with colic for the first two years of their life. That's what it looks like. But when we are linked, we can hold, we can stand, we can move forward together. And what happens? The kingdom of God advances. It's not just, it's not just a Wednesday night in the life of church you can tick a box. Please, we want to know each other. Why are the name tags for eight weeks? The staff hates it that they have to do name tags every week. Because it's just admin. I want you to know each other. I want to know you, and it's hard for all of us. And the challenge is that it's difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm telling you it's imperative. Because the nature and the essence of who God is, is relational. That's why. Life groups on a Wednesday night, coffee off the church. Coffee off the church. Take a chance. Please, take a chance. They won't bite you. If they do, come tell me. Yeah, a couple more points. Trinitarian life is transparent, and I don't have time to teach all the truths, but there's no secrets in the Trinity. Oh, Jesus, you, you didn't tell me. You didn't tell me. No. Perfectly transparent. Is your life transparent? Are there people in your life who know things about you? But not because they asked, but just because you told them. Because the nature of who God is, is transparent and vulnerable, or is lying and deceit a trademark? 
versus vulnerability and honesty. I want to call us to our high standard, guys. Not my standard, the essence and the nature of who God is. The fifth thing, Trinitarian life is marked by humility. Marked by humility. You don't see in the Bible, it's, oh, the Holy Spirit says, oh, flip, Jesus got given the name above every name. And I don't get the sense when we sing about Jesus, the Savior, Father's on His throne, going, flip, they're singing about my boy again. No, they are perfect in humility. Perfect. Hey, hey, Jesus, name above every name, but, but Father, Your will, not my will be done. And wow, could we be like Him? See, we sing the songs on Sunday. Oh, to be like You, to give all I have just to know You. Wow. You've sung that song. You've sung that song. You've said those words. Can we do it? I'm not saying it's easy. Some of you have been hurt. Some have been hurt legitimately in church. And I apologize for that. And I I ask that you would find courage and strength in Jesus and in the essence and nature of who God is, Father, Son, and Spirit, and jump again and watch Him catch you. I don't have time to do all the scriptures, so I'm going to understand. What about one thing in humility, preferring to others? Such a hard thing. I'm still struggling with that scripture in Philippians, that that, that, um, let your gentleness be evident to all. Why did he have to say all? Why couldn't be like exclamation mark, disclaimer brackets, not your children when they are naughty? Why? Because he never said it'd be easy, but he said he'd empower us for it. Point number six, there are three more. Submissive. Not control. Submission is not control. Submission is powerful people saying, under God and in his design. You know a description of Jesus? Meekness. Meekness is a picture of a stallion chained to a carriage for a purpose. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is Jesus. Yes, Father, I don't want this but not my will. Your will be done. So why do we submit to governmental authorities? Because God is submissive. Why does he put submission in the household? Not for control, because he's got designs, he's got ways, and he's fulfilling, he's bringing his kingdom. And in heaven, do I think there's going to need to be structures and hierarchies? I don't. But I'm not in heaven. I art on earth. Which means I ought to live of every word that he gives me. And do I like submitting to leaders? Let me start with government. Do I like submitting to governmental leaders when I can see mistakes and challenges everywhere? No, I don't. But it's not about me. It's about him. And he says, pay your taxes. Pay them. You want to advance the kingdom of God? Pay your taxes. Simple. Wow, I feel like this has been big. Three more. Last three, self-sacrificing. God is self-sacrificing. And I mentioned this a little earlier. But Jesus comes and pays a price. The Father paid a price. Imagine watching your son's head squashed. He was put his heel. The Father had to watch that. We think Jesus paid the price. Imagine watching your child squashed for the sins of the world. God is prepared to pay a price. Are you prepared to pay a price? 
for gospel and for the mission. Trinitarian love is joyful. God's not moody. You know that? He's consistent, which means my emotions need to come under the authority over time, walking with Him in my Christ-likeness development. He wants to get a hold of even my emotions. And the last one, and I think possibly one of the most beautiful, is Trinitarian life is secure. And can I call us to defeat insecurity, which is rooted in fear, which is rooted in the lack of trust of who God is, and defeat it by finding out who God is, make fear submit to a knowledge of God, and we walk in security, that our God is seated on the throne, and I can stand secure in His love, because we cannot be the church that shouts the victory of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and at every level, insecurity is rife. We just can't be. So, this is how I'd like us to respond in communion this morning. I'm just going to ask Jerry maybe to just come up and play a guitar a little bit, but but here's a challenge from Matthew 5. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go first and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. What do we do with these scriptures, Christians? They're easy to pass over. It's like, oh, I read Matthew 5. What do we do to the kingdom of God advances in your personal life and story and in this world when we choose to trust God so much that we will take him at his word and even when it's difficult, we will respond and we will submit to him and we'll be prepared to pay a price. Maybe humility will have to come out of an arrogant source. Let me tell you, inside of this heart, outside of the presence of God, I'm an arrogant man. I think way too highly of myself. Outside of the presence of God, I don't want to humble myself. Outside of the presence of God, my wife is there to serve me because the Bible says she's my helper. Well, let me tell you what it also says says that a savior came and paid the highest price so that my guilt and shame was washed clean and i get to remember and live in the freedom of that this is not just a ritual of the church this is a remembering in power and allowing the authority of god to break into the smallness of my life and his freedom comes we're going to take three minutes can i ask we have at the front at the back and upstairs i think or just downstairs we have communion. Can you walk to communion? And we're going to come back together. But right now, we don't have time for conversations to happen right now. I'm going to ask you right now, as you walk to grab and take communion together, if there is a conversation you need to have, not for my sake, maybe not even for your sake, but for the advancing of the kingdom of God, for the love of Jesus, you pick up a phone please don't whatsapp when you haven't spoken to someone for months of the month an sms like i love you buddy doesn't mean anything get on a plane get in a car get in a train get on a bicycle and go and find that absent father go and find that broken friend because that's what jesus did for us 
And when we understand who He is, we understand, I can do that. I can be that. That is the gospel. That's Trinitarian love. Is that all right? I know it's, I feel like it's been a bit harsh and I'm a bit funny and normally sometimes maybe to my wife. But God wants to do stuff with us. Tyler got up and said, we want to change the world together. I want to change the world for Jesus. We're not going to do that by doing it our way. We're going to do that by representing Him well. Can we stand, come and take communion and go back to seats? We're going to take it together as a family. church alone, you don't know anyone. If that person is standing next to you, can you move closer to them? So humbled as we remember Jesus, we've got to remember what he's done. I've learned community. I've had two great privileges in my life and being two homes. One, my natural home, with my mother named Joy, who had a heart bigger than I could imagine for people. And the second one is a home named Glenridge. And there's a lady over there named Jenny Ambler, who's moved to Cape Town and joined this church. I've seen her serve people. I've seen her humble herself. I've seen her with bodily aches and pains make food for a thousand kids because I asked her, could I take a thousand kids to the Jarkensburg? Can you feed them? She said, I'll give it my best God. So I just want to honor you, Jen. Thank you. But will you allow people into your life? Will you allow them to reveal Jesus to you? The person next to you, made in the image of God. The person you're struggling with, made in the image of God. And outside of this, we're enemies. Outside of this, we've got nothing in common. Outside of this, it's about me. But when I partake of Jesus, I am pulled into a dance with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That a dance I cannot do. I cannot soki. And he says, what I'm going to do, I'm going to pull you into my dance. By my Spirit, I'm going to lead you. And you are going to reveal me to this world in power and might authority. I don't care where you've been, this blood washes you clean. And this food, His body, will feed you for the rest of your days. We remember you today, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we say thank you.
we were going to sing a song, but can I just ask us to close our eyes? of Jesus here this morning I would love to take his hand your hand and put it into his not mine not the church not the structures Jesus and while eyes are closed if you are here and say I haven't received I haven't given myself to that love I want to know that I know that Jesus is my savior and I want him to know this morning if there is anyone who needs to make that decision and it is a decision and even the faith for that decision is given by him that's what the bible tells us but if you're here this morning would you lift up your hand if you haven't received the love of jesus that's good one more thing read that scripture from Matthew 5 I pulled it up at about 7 o'clock this morning while I was preparing and I'm telling you church the damage of fractured relationships is way more than you could possibly imagine inside the church inside the kingdom of churches in other churches in the city where you've been before maybe and even outside of the church the witness of the kingdom and I would love to say just spend 20 minutes in God's presence and I think it all goes away maybe go sit in a box with a veil and a man behind if you just confess it to him it'll all just fall off it's not what the Bible says the Bible says go and find them before you bring your offerings before you give before you're generous before you have people around a big table find that one person and make right And in response to this morning, I would ask two things. That you would stand in awe of our God three in one. And allow who our God is to profoundly change us. To become more like Him. And secondly, you need to make a phone call. If you need to get on an airplane. The Bible doesn't say honor your parents if they were good. The Bible doesn't say honor them if they didn't do this or they did do this. The Bible says honor your parents. If you need to get on an airplane to parents or children, to ex-business partners, maybe even ex-spouses, to just make right, can you do that for the glory of God? And I promise you, miracles will happen. Miracles. The kingdom of God advances. Jesus will get all the glory. We preach this truth not because it's comfortable for us to preach, but because we love you and we want Jesus to reveal his glory in and through your story and our story. So I'm going to close the meeting there and I'm going to pray for us and then we can go. If you need to just sit and let God do some business, can I ask you to do that? Please don't run away. I'm not watching the door. I never do allow people into your life and watch what God does we give you all the glory King we give you all the praise, thank you for your word thank you for who you are be glorified Jesus